morning and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I am glad that you are here to join with me today in a nice hot cup of whatever as you start your day. Mm. I went digging through my tea jar, and I found some Earl Grey. Oh, it felt like an Earl Grey morning. You guys need to go out on the uh, Facebook page and let me know what you're drinking in the morning. If it's if it's coffee, what kind? If it's tea, what kind? If you're whatever else you're drinking, let me know. Just out there on the Facebook page, give me some interaction. Oh, my nose is running a little bit this morning too. Oh goodness, yesterday was a Busy day. Started off with uh, early morning pressure washing of our deck. And then uh, throughout the day, different people joining in. But we painted our, or, or not uh, painted, uh, uh, treated, used a uh, water treatment on our pergola. And, um, and on the deck and all the railings and... Oh, goodness, it was about five and a half gallons uh, put on with brushes and rollers. and But the back part's done, and the only thing left is just our, our small front porch uh, that we have. But uh, we, we, we worked till it was dark. So it was a fun achievement. We'll see how it dries here today and... and uh, and uh, hopefully get the other, the front part done, and just moving on, moving on with all kinds of summertime chores. I cannot believe it's the second of June, and in twenty days is my birthday. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Sometimes, I mean, when you get past the the fact that you're getting old, and you just start having fun with birthdays anyway. Oh well, I'll tell you what. Let me jump into. Uh, the next part, it's actually, I'm going to then pause on the forgiveness and get into some other things. But uh, again, this is from the book, The Art of Forgiving, uh, When You Need to Forgive and You Don't Know How by Lewis B. Smeads. It's an older book. It is, uh, what, 24 years old. Uh, but it's got some good stuff. And I've been just reading from the first part and three stages that he identifies. Um, the neat thing about, um, the field of you know uh, psychology, counseling, therapy, however you want to term it, is um, each therapist kind of sees things from their own perspective. Well, that's just like everybody. Everybody sees things from their perspective, and we'll have different patterns jump out, and that's when we start putting down uh, our ideas and trying them out, testing them out. Whenever they work, it's like, hey, this is pretty neat. And uh, we may not publish like, you know, he's doing a publishing in a book. Other people publish in the form of research and uh, very boring research papers. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we all try out the different things. And that's where, you know, different therapists have different approaches. Uh, the three phases or, or stages that he talks about. Uh, regarding forgiving is rediscovering the humanity of the person who hurt us, surrendering our right to get even, and today we're going to work on revising our feelings. So, reading from his book, 
once we have rediscovered our offender's humanity and have and given up our right to enjoy getting even, we begin to feel new feelings towards him personally. We feel him differently after we see him differently. Let me read that again. We feel him differently after we see him differently. And the way I would probably phrase it in my therapy is we experience a different emotion after we change what we believe about the person. Yeah, because emotions come out of beliefs. Emotions come out of beliefs. You change the belief, you will have a different emotional reaction. What we felt before was simple hate. We may disguise it so we don't have to recognize it in ourselves, but hate is hate, no matter how we pass it off. It may be the passive hate that makes us feel good when we hear that bad things have happened to a person who wronged us, or it may be an aggressive hate screaming for the other person to feel a pain at least the size of ours. Just a moment. Where was I? I lost it. Um, whether passive or aggressive, our hurt left us feeling heaven or calling heaven to make bad things happen to the bad person who did bad things to us. That's what hate is. When we begin to forgive, however, we feel a real uh, through. Wait a minute, I'm reading that wrong. Pardon me, it's still early. <laughs> when we begin to forgive, however, we feel a real through, perhaps reluctant wish that some good things might come the weasel's way. At first, we just muffle our demands that God make some very bad thing happen to him. Then when we hear that he is getting remarried, taking a job in Minneapolis or parts further west, we may actually feel a nudge to hope for some mildly good things to happen to him. If he comes our way, we will shake his hand, tell him we're glad that he's doing well. The feeling of goodwill is likely to be weak and hesitant at the start. And we are almost bound to backslide into malice along the way. But if we feel any stirrings of benevolence inside of us, any hint that it will be all right with us if some modest bit of good fortune comes our enemy's way, we can be sure that we are teamed with God in a a modest miracle of healing. Uh, I guess as I read that, and it's the second time I've read it here this morning, I kind of get the feeling, and again, I'm only touching on the beginning part of the book, uh, not getting into too much on the chapters, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say that at least in this part of the book, I don't think he's giving forgiveness um, enough credit for change 
that is possible. The um, forgiveness is an extremely powerful gift that God gave humanity to use. It's a very powerful gift that he uses. Um, I don't think it's natural and sinful man to forgive. All you have to do is look around. All you have to do is look around at the headlines right now. Um, there's hate flowing. There's vengefulness flowing. There's vengefulness flowing towards people that have not wronged anyone. There's vengefulness over you don't see it the way I see it, so you must suffer. You must be destroyed. And it's like, holy cow, people. This is what happens in sinful humanity. This is what happens. It turns into a hate fest. I mean, I've, I've just... I've been seeing it left and right, whether it's on the news, whether it's in Facebook. Uh, you know, people see things in different ways, and it's it's seriously, you have to see it my way, or I hope and pray bad things happen to you. Isn't that what he was talking about? This is what we have to get out of. This is what we have to get rid of. And I'm going to say on a personal level, but then on a societal level. You know, it's intoxicating. I was talking about this before. You know, anger and hate is intoxicating. Gives you energy. What do you do with that energy? Most people do destructive things. Most people do destructive things. You know, back in junior high, I believe, the park district uh, offered a variety of different summer sports programs. Uh, it was a lot of fun whenever the little book from the park district came out. And as a kid, you picked through all the different possible things that were available. And I remember taking tennis lessons. I'm not good at tennis. <laughs> Why? You have to exercise control. I didn't. I exercised force. You know, they got the high fences. Yeah, I was knocking balls over the high fences on the, you know, back behind the other player. Same way with pool. If you're going to play pool... You got to have control. If you just try using force, you're going to just suck at the game. <laughs> when you're talking about the anger that comes with being hurt, whether it's your hurt or you're just borrowing somebody else's hurt or you're taking somebody else's hurt and you're, uh, over-personalizing it to yourself. Yeah. You start feeling the things that, you know, we were talking about uh, in these, uh, you know, coming from this book, The Art of Forgiving. But you know what? 
you don't have to stop with just I'll be tolerable. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll shake their hand. I'll wish them some level of good. You can have a much deeper level of forgiveness. You can have a very deep level. And I think in today's um, reading, where we're revising our feelings, again, I think that really depends on how far you're willing to um, revise your beliefs and put those beliefs into practice. I'm also a very big believer uh, from my personal experience as well as the experience of people who have shared with me using uh, the process, this particular process of its success. And that is begin praying for the person. Don't pray that they drop dead. Not that kind of prayer, not a prayer of vengeance, but a prayer of peace, a prayer for forgiveness, a prayer for good things to happen to the person. When I go back over 25 years ago, I had to enter into a prayer process for forgiveness of a person that I did not want to forgive. So I had a very slow start, but I had a motivator. The motivator was my own mental and physical health. It was uh, this unforgiveness was resulting in multiple panic attacks a day. Um, It was horribly distressing. I had sought out wise counsel from a person whom I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and I said, bullpucky, rejected it. Till a couple of two, three, four months later, I had no choice but to put it into practice because I couldn't continue the way I was. And so I started um, I started praying for him. And it coincided with a Sunday school class, an adult Sunday school class that I was taking on prayer. And I was told to have a little notebook and write down people's names who needed prayer and carry it on you. So I had one of those little bitty pocket ones I could stick, you know, uh, notebooks I could stick in my hip pocket. I carried it with me for quite a while. And I put this person's name at the top of the list above all the people that I wanted to pray for. I made this person my first prayer. And I started by utilizing um, modification of uh, the words about forgiveness that Jesus did from the cross as recorded in the Bible. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know, my way of saying it was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And uh, so I started with, uh, Father, for, uh, I'm blanking out. How did I word that? Uh, 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. With the idea of, God, you forgive. And just let it be. And the more I prayed it, I could feel my heart softening. So I went on to another prayer, which was, I knew God wanted me to forgive. I just wasn't ready to do it willingly. So I started praying, Father, make me forgive them because you want me to forgive them. I'm not willing to do it yet, but I will submit to you, God, that if you really want me to forgive, then you can make me. I I give you permission, God, to change me. I'm not there yet. I'm not willing to do it yet. I'm still pissed off. But I will let you make me. I'll surrender to you. And I kept praying that prayer every time I thought of this person until my heart softened more. And I started to want to forgive the person. So I changed my prayer to, Father, help me forgive them because you want me to forgive them. Help me to do it. I don't know how to do it. Don't have a clue. But help me to be able to. And I prayed that until I was able to pray this prayer, which was, Father, forgive them because I forgive them. See, that sequence of prayers softened my heart to where I got to the point where I forgave. How long did this take? For me, from the uh, uh, the meeting with the mentor who told me what I needed to do, but I rejected until the point where I truly felt that a forgiveness had taken place and I sincerely wanted the best for the person. It was about nine months. It wasn't an easy nine months, but it was a nine months I don't ever want to forget because it made a fundamental change in my life. You see, your feelings can change for a person. I think when you incorporate a change in how you view them, a change of belief about them, and you have an obedience to the idea that God forgives us and he wants us to forgive others. And so we start practicing that. All of a sudden, we will have a change. We will have forgiveness. We will have peace. Because we'll see things not from our pain. We'll see them from a different vantage point. All right. Again, the book is The Art of Forgiving by Lewis Smeads. You can probably find some old copies on Amazon. I haven't looked it up, but uh, I wish I remembered where I got this book from. 
I'm sitting here trying to think and I don't know where, but, um, if it's not available and you struggle or need to work on forgiveness, start, start reading some books on it. Start putting things into practice. Seek, be careful who you do seek advice from because there's plenty of people who have kind of a false view about forgiveness. If you really want peace, you got to let go. And how do you let go? You got to change how you view it. Again, I love that that little quote from the first part of the book. Um, crud, what was it again? It was the 80% thing. Let me find it really fast. Do, 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 do. Hold on. There we go. I have heard that 80% of what we see lies behind our eyes. If this is so, 80% of what we see when we look at the person who recently wronged us and deeply wounded us must lie behind our eyes in the memory of our pain. How we view people has a whole lot more to do with our perception and our beliefs than it does with what the person actually did. And you, you have the ability to control what you think in your head. Remember that, people. You have that ability. You may not be exercising it. You may not know how to exercise it, but you have that ability. Learn to improve your control over that. And you can see your life improve in many ways. All right, that's it for today. We will wrap it up and go on a new topic starting tomorrow. So have a great one. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.